Carla. And I'm Sarah. Welcome to Creative Reboot. Well, welcome to this week's episode. Yes, it is a week. We're doing it weekly now, aren't we, Carla? It is indeed. (laughs) We would first of all like to say a big thank you. Thank you and hello to Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, lovely to have you here. So I'll just do a quick little intro about Cynthia because she's going to tell us all about herself. First, I should I should say Cynthia Hawkes. I want to make sure I get that in there, get her full name in there. Cynthia helps busy and self-critical women de-stress with simple and calming mindfulness and art workshops online. Which sounds exactly like what we need after the oh, year we've all just had, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> it sounds amazing. So welcome, welcome to Creative Reboot, Cynthia. And um, can we dive straight in and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love that. Um, So a little bit about me. I'm an artist and a teacher and online course creator. I like to refer to myself as an auntie mama. (laughs) And uh, I'm a cancer survivor, a mentor, and I'm also a recovering perfectionist, uh, which I believe is a bonus. And I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. Um, So I do primarily help busy and self-critical women, as you mentioned, and I help them de-stress with online mindfulness and art activities and classes. And the other thing that I really love doing is I also work with art teachers, yoga teachers, expressive art therapists, or life coaches, and I help them to move through creative blocks. I help them enhance their own teaching skills so they can share their work out in the world as well. Amazing. Can I ask how long you've been doing this for? Oh my goodness. Uh, I've been doing some sort of mindfulness and art activities on and off for about 13 years in teaching. And it's just been the last four years that I've been doing uh, teacher trainings and mentoring. Oh, amazing. Oh, I, I had to ask because you do not look old enough to have been doing this for 13 years. <laughs> my dad <laughs> has insane. good genes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> amazing. So, what. Um, kind of what what came first because i'm i'm intrigued that's that's it's i'm right up our street with lots of different things going on there but kind of what yeah what came first and what what got you into it i guess yeah absolutely uh so i think what came first for me was actually loving bob ross and his paintings and painting happy trees and using that as a way to de-stress myself Uh, i pursued psychology i was going to to have a phd in clinical psychology And it's a long story, but I ended up switching tracks over to my MFA and pursuing the arts. And the whole time I was pursuing my own arts degree, I was exploring mindfulness and yoga and different practices to help me de-stress. And then that just turned into a big passion of wanting to share a lot of those practices with other people and going through certifications. So I would say the art came first, absolutely. But the, the mindfulness piece is so crucial. Actually, yeah, that's probably a good question to ask there. Do you think creative people are quite stressful by nature? (laughs) I think that's an interesting question. I did when I was younger. I did a whole research project on um, creativity and mania and stress. And so I think there's a lot of research that shows that it is there are a lot of connections with that. Um, I also think naturally the process of creating something can be really calming and de-stressing. Mm. So I can see why there would be that 
that uh, pull towards those practices. Um, but I don't, I don't know that I would blanket, you know, give statements <laughs> overall. I'm just thinking about like, that was a very blanket statement, but um, yeah, like I, obviously Carla and I talk a, a lot and we, I, we, always, we know lots of other creative people, which I'm sure you do as well. And it always seems to be a running common theme about like, Oh God, this is really, I'm, I'm so stressed today. This is happening. And, and I don't know whether it's because may, I feel like maybe part of it is that we put, um, a lot of our personal self into our work, it being a creative thing. So maybe that kind of heightens the stress levels or does that make sense? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I think I haven't really ever given it too much thought around that. I think what I've noticed a lot for myself and for my students is what can happen once we're in the creative process and mm. we are giving a bit more space that there is this noticing. So maybe the the stress and that anxiety or whatever you're feeling was already really present. And because mm -hmm. we're slowing down and giving ourselves space to create something, I think sometimes there's just a greater awareness of like, oh, actually, I'm trying to paint you know this this whole part of the canvas right here but all I'm doing is thinking about my to-do list and that I'm doing it wrong and that I feel really stressed out and it's not coming out the way I envisioned it and there's a whole yeah. I think a whole cycle of thoughts that can start to emerge um, when we're creating and that can happen in lots of different ways but I think that's largely why I'm so drawn to and passionate about mindfulness and art activities together because it offers a softer way to be with all of those thoughts and mm. still give us permission to create while all of that's happening. It doesn't mean the thoughts go away. Um, I have, I used to teach meditation classes and yoga classes in person. And I remember people, a couple of students would say um, that they couldn't meditate because they couldn't get rid of all of their thoughts. And I think that that's a big misconception. Um, and really it's more so about how can I notice all of these thoughts and stress and anxiety and how can I just be with it and give myself permission to still create and still express myself and not have those as many judgmental thoughts around it um yeah so I, I think there's lots of things probably at play there I love that that's a great answer yeah and I think that's actually really powerful because um I mean I think the thing I picked up from your um what you first said was recovering perfectionist and I think mm. that's something that most creatives can probably identify with either being one or trying to recover from being one yeah. um and actually I can see from what you're saying how the mindfulness um kind of helps to balance that perfectionism a little bit it gives you that that permission I think that permission is really power pa can't speak today <laughs> permission is really powerful to to create despite all the stuff going on and and while the stuff is going on rather than having to wait till you get to that perfect time where you know your head is in perfectly the right place because that's probably not ever really going to happen is it mm -hmm. yeah and I think yeah. also this a lot of times I'll hear my students say that they are too busy that they want to create but they feel too busy or they have too many things going on in their life and if we do wait until we can settle all of that I feel like a lot of art and a lot of creativity wouldn't be explored and oh absolutely mm -hmm. yeah. yeah definitely I think that's something do you think that's something that so it sounds like something you teach which I'm very excited by because I think that is something that is more useful to know at the beginning of your creative pursuits than kind of halfway through or towards the end. And I, I think having been creative most of my life, I'm only just now discovering that 
I'm never going to have that uninterrupted time that I thought I was going to have to to create the thing or make or write the book or make the you know whatever it was I was going to do. I am going to have to fit it in around my existing busy life, and that's okay. But I feel like that realization would have been helpful a few years ago. <laughs> Maybe, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I've oh, heard yeah. other people talk about this as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I I talk a lot about um, the Kaizen Muse method. I don't know if either of you have heard of that. No. It's largely about breaking things down into really small steps. And so I also um, have my own practice, but also teach just a mind a five minute mindful art experiment practice. And so that largely emerged from not having the time and and not wanting to wait and put creative projects off until I had an hour or two hours that I could sit down. And instead, I would give myself, okay, I'm just going to do this for five minutes. I'm going to leave my art supplies or my art journal out on the table. And when I have one, two, or five minutes, I'm going to sit down and give myself a few minutes to breathe and make marks. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's not largely taught giving ourselves those small micro moments. Um, but I find them so helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find that you that you get a lot done doing it that way? Does it does it help you to achieve a lot more? Absolutely. I think it does two things for me personally. One, I'm able to slowly, you know, it's like a snowball rolling downhill. It'll it'll pick up its shape as time goes on. Um, But also I find what is really fascinating and I didn't realize this till I was in it is that it leaves, it sort of stops the creative process when I'm still in a good place of momentum. So then when I come back to my mindful art journal later, I'm, I sort of am excited to pick up where I left off and can dive in. And I had a, a prof- art professor years ago say, like, never stop your, your work where you feel totally complete because it's harder to step into it later. Um, that was just their philosophy. And it wasn't until I started doing five-minute practices that I realized, oh, there's actually a lot of momentum that I can step back into. So I think that's a nice side bonus. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm looking at that from the perspective of writing, actually. And I, 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 we had a, a guest on our last series who we were talking about. I, I was stressing that I couldn't find an hour a day to write, you know, to write every day. Um, but yeah, to, to sort of write for five minutes and then go, hey, I'm stopping now, regardless of whether I'm in the middle of the sentence or not. That makes a lot of sense to me because to be able to then pick that up okay. and carry on would. I also love that because one of the things that's been most effective um, when I've been struggling to get into something has been, OK, I'm going to do it for, for three minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes. You know, if it's depending on how long the task is, mm. I'm just going to do it for 15 minutes and see. I'm just going to do it for three minutes and see. Um, be, and it sounds silly, doesn't it? Because three minutes feels like no time at all. But three minutes can feel like a really long time when you're waiting for something or you're watching the clock for something. Um, but actually, if you can manage to do three minutes of something whether that's something you don't want to do or that's something you really want to do and don't have time for because it's obviously often the stuff we really love that we don't have the time for isn't it mm. um i for me that's been a wonderful way to get started so i'm now intrigued by this concept of leaving it there like i use it as a as a way to spend more time because i've got over the starting hurdle if that makes sense um so i'm really intrigued by this concept of just do it for that time and then leave it when you're kind of still in flow that that feels quite quite new and exciting I might have to prod that a little bit more later yeah. when well, I love Carla what you're saying too around doing it and then just kind of seeing what's happening because I think that that's also what I've noticed for myself as far as being a recovering perfectionist and how mindful art helps me is that it leaves more spaciousness of like I don't have to know exactly what I'm creating where it's going and that it it 
can leave it open. So I love how you just you. Oh, okay, that. that's good. Good to know. Yeah, I, I feel like it's one of those. It's a technique, isn't it, that you can then use depending on how you need it. But I'm just intri- very intrigued by that side of it. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fold that away and prod it later. Okay, it's, okay. <laughs> it's quite, it is a really interesting concept because I don't think I've ever heard anyone really say that before. You know, like stop what you're doing. At that, you know, regardless of whether it feels finished or not, just just stop there because it'll you'll have something to come back to later. It's that it's that idea I of if this is because we we're, we're getting this from the perspective of you as a mindful art teacher, whereas often actually most of us we stop being taught art at kind of school level, don't we? Mm. Um, I'm really bad at, at working out what the high school, middle school, what what those are. But but you know, basically by age sixteen we haven't in fact for for most of us in the UK, by age fourteen, unless we're taking it further, we've stopped being taught art. And so we never get far enough to learn this kind of information mm. about art and the and when I say art, I'm kind of referring to art making, creating, writing, any creative pursuit as we always are on this podcast. But I feel like we're not given the tools and techniques to be able to incorporate it into our life and I remember having a a really um I was quite I was a very quiet teenager with a with a stroppy side and I remember having quite a stroppy conversation with my head of year because I said but you know I don't I'm not very good at it but I quite like to keep doing it and I was talking about both art and drama at the time and and he was like but you're not doing a GCSE in it you're not you're not gonna have a career in it so what's the point it was like everything everything is the point but that that very much summed up for me the attitude so I just left it at school and then did it outside of school instead and um and I feel I feel like what you're doing is maybe teaching us what we should have been taught way back when we were kids right so we can start to incorporate those things into our real life Hmm. it it reminds me it makes me think of I have four four nephews that are all between three and twelve right now and if I watch them and they're on the playground with friends or if they're collecting rocks or playing with chalk or doing whatever they're doing, there's this full immersion of like throwing themselves into it and loving the process and exploring and playing. And there's not this question of like, well, is whatever I'm doing going to serve a purpose later? Yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. think that there's this this awe and this joy around kids when they're creating, especially anything related to art that I so love and connect with. And as adults, I just think that we can have that same permission to play and explore and experiment and not have to have it be something later. Maybe we use it for something later, maybe we don't. And it can be an invitation to, can we just explore the process right now and Mm. see, see what it is for ourselves? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued as to who are the kinds of people who who get in touch with you, who come to you? Because yeah, are they are they people who had that experience when they were younger and now are now coming back to it, thinking I need this? Or talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's mixed. I have definitely had some students where we've spoken about. Um, so Brene Brown talks about how eighty percent of adults that she surveyed before the age of like six or eight, that they had some sort of shame story around art making and creativity, which breaks my heart every time I hear that or read it. Um, And and so some, some students that come to me have had some sort of creative process, but feel blocked or have perfectionist tendencies or want to explore. A lot of times I have students that find me through my YouTube channel. I share really simple mindful art practices there. And, and I'll get emails and messages that say, I've been doing watercolor for years, or I've been doing drawing or painting for years, and your approach 
feels so freeing. Like I feel like I can create now and not feel like I have to do something right or wrong. So I get a lot of students that find me that way. Mm -hmm. I also tend to have um, students that are coming to me from a mindfulness or meditation or yoga background and are curious about how can I include the arts you know, I have this practice already that helps me to be more calm or less stressed, but I'm really curious how I can start including painting or drawing or writing or collage. And so it's sort of a mixed um, mixed bag. But the main thing that I have noticed as a root or a foundation is that idea of, of freedom and permission in creating and how these practices can help us to calm down and be less stressed out. Oh, I love that. I really love that. Mm. Um, we had um, freedom's one of my highest values anyway. And Sarah and I years ago, years ago, God, that's really depressing. It's gone really fast. Uh, we went to uh, a Liz Gilbert um, seminar thing workshop. Uh, she it? was there. Workshop, yeah. Mm. That she was talking and um, and permission featured heavily in that. And it was it was really it's it's not something that I'd really thought about much before then. But then since then, it's come up in conversation it's come up in the podcast it's obviously coming up again now with you and and I do think it's a really powerful thing to be able to give yourself as well as, as well as to be able to give other people um and I think particularly for women I think that's something that we don't do enough of so yeah I'm, I'm loving that mm, definitely so I'd love I want to talk a little bit more about your creative journey actually because you obviously you you, you told us like how you came to be doing this work but just talk talk us through a little bit about the process of um, when you when you first started. I mean, because you, you said you've been doing this for like thirteen years. Talk how how can I? I'm not even formulating my words properly here. Am I? <laughs> what what does your journey look like from getting from before to here, and what was before, and how did you? Thank get you, here? thank you, Carla. That's what <laughs> That's I was trying okay. to say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So initially, I would say when my journey really began with this work. Um, I was in my early 20s and I was having panic attacks and I I was doing managerial work and I was doing full-time college and I was just burning myself out like any any sort of energy I could put out I was putting out into the world and that's when I had discovered Bob Ross who I already mentioned that I love and, I, I um, love him I'm just his videos are so calming to watch they're fantastic Absolutely. Yes. And I love how he just says, if you can make your own world, you know, if you want to put a happy tree there, put a happy tree. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so he, he really introduced me to oil painting. And then I was pursuing my psych degree. And my dad had said, why don't you take some art classes on the side for yourself just to enjoy while you're doing all these other things, which I had started doing. And it really just lit a fire in me because I noticed how much of an impact it had for myself that I, I switched tracks from psychology over to the arts. Um, and then fast forward, I had, I think like many people, life throws us obstacles or pulls the rug out from underneath us. Um, I have, I've had several of those moments and some of the bigger moments, um, I was treated for cancer in my late 20s. And that's really when uh, I discovered a process called soul collage that I teach. It's an intuitive collage process. And I discovered that process because I had gone through radiation and I couldn't touch any electronics or be around people. I could, wow. you know, I was trying to find paper and journaling. Oh, um, wow which now many people can relate to, right? Like quarantining. Mm. And um, and so so that world just deepened for me around 
oh, I can I can be with myself more and I can use these different materials like collage or writing and I can express myself and notice this grief because at the time going through cancer, I had a lot of grief, notice this grief. And instead of feeling so overwhelmed by it, I could channel that into this art making and then write about it and understand myself a bit more. Um, And so that really deepened it for me. And then I got certified and started teaching. And so I've been doing soul collage since 2014. Um, And so so I mentioned all of that to say, I don't think there was ever one moment for me. It was always like building deeper and deeper. And yeah. then the more I had my own practice and experiences and then was certified and started sharing it with other students and people, the more I heard their stories around, you know, people saying, well, I had fibro, I have fibromyalgia. And before the practice, my pain was at a six or seven. And now it's at a four wow. or I was doing this. I I teach a meditative watercolor doodling practice and a woman that was in one of my classes, she shared it with her son, her seven-year-old son who saw her doing the practice. And she said for the next week, he would go up to his room and how much more calm he was and he wasn't having tantrums. And I just get so inspired and lit up because it's not me, it's the practices, you know, and to, to know through my own experience how much they've been helpful but then to also be able to share it and hear people reflect their own stories back um is just really it's why I do it and love it but yeah I think as well this hearing this kind of stuff is make makes me think like what Carla was saying there about how she wasn't really encouraged to, to do those practices after a certain age it's it's such a shame I feel like so many people are missing out because they might never pursue them again and to, to kind you of you don't have to be a professional at something no to enjoy something and get so much benefit from it and i think you know create i mean i think that that applies to many things but i think um you know art and creativity is is one of the biggest things that that you, you don't have to make a living from it you don't have to be you don't have to do it as your career but it can be so so therapeutic and so yeah. helpful um yeah and, and like you say you get really tangible results that i think some people are really dubious about this stuff um but but the results of my pain is less, you know, my child is calmer. You can't argue that's, with that. Can you can't, you, you can't argue with that. And you can't really measure that, but, but it makes a real difference to your life. Yeah. 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 Mm. Oh, that's magical. And I love that that does come from your, um, kind of your own experiences, although I'm really sorry that you had those experiences. Like I love that you've kind of built something really positive out of what could have been, uh, you know, something that defined a bad time in your life. You've, you've turned it into, into the, the, the foundation of something wonderful yeah I I often will say to my friends that I feel like we all have our own you know bumps in the road or or our own story the storyline looks different but the root of it of what we struggle with as humans and and what we are longing for and in wanting to have comfort or connection and you know is the same and so I I'm really grateful that I've had a lot of those experiences because I can just feel more connected with other people that I work with and connect with. Yeah, I love that. Oh, really? so I think that's a good time to ask my favorite question. Can I ask it, Carla? Yes. Can I? So <laughs> it's at, with everything that's gone before then, what has been your most glorious moment so far? Mm, glorious moment. Um, you can have more than one. You're allowed. Yes. <laughs> I, 
I feel like for me, so I have to say, I don't know, uh, I know a lot of people when you're asked, like, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite book? I can never pick just one. Yeah, I get it. That's fair. So for me, when you pick a favorite pet, it's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) So a a most glorious moment for me are actually all of the small moments of being able to connect with, with people and students and, and I think I receive a lot of emails and messages since most of my work, especially these days, is teaching online. So I usually will connect with people through like Zoom classes, but also just through messaging. And so a lot of my most glorious moments are just when I receive messages and emails and comments about their experiences. So I think it's just a it's a little mirror reflection back. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really grateful for that. Oh, I love that. That's I lovely. Love that. There is something really special about actually hearing how your work is is helping other people, isn't it? So, yeah. I think it's making a difference as well. I think that's that's something that, um, weirdly, I don't think I've ever put into words as something I'm searching for. But I know that I'm much more fulfilled when I know that I am making a difference and I'm getting that feedback that says you are mm. than when I've been in work that hasn't made a difference that might have been more garbled than it was in my head but yeah I think that's that's the essence of that isn't it is knowing knowing from people that you are making a difference to to their lives yeah definitely mm, okay yeah like yeah I like that a lot yes I approve. <laughs> you can ask the next one Carla <laughs> okay so this is what often happens so we have our favorite question and it always seems to be me that like brings the mood down. But we started the we started this podcast because we wanted honesty because so many people don't talk about the they talk about the good bits and that's wonderful, um, and they don't talk about the bad bits at all or they only talk about the bad bits like after after the the um, event. So, what have you struggled with the most if you're willing to share it with us and our listeners um, in in your creative journey and in, in yeah in life in in this. Yeah, absolutely. I've touched on it a little bit, but for me, the biggest struggle has often been around um, perfectionism, struggling with perfectionism. And also, I think with that, in working on an island or in in feeling like in my creative work or or anytime there is something that is a challenge of keeping kind of all the cards close to my chest, you know, so this, this pulling back. And and all of this with my creative journey has helped me with both of those things. I've, I speak a lot about um, embracing the inner critic. I've seen a lot of books of quieting your inner, inner critic or silencing it or um, all of these different things. And I really love to embrace my inner critic because it is a part of me. And that perfectionist side, those thoughts that I can have, um, which never goes away, by the way. I don't think that it, uh, those thoughts or the inner critic is ever eradicated. Um, instead, what I've found through mindfulness and combining that with creative practices is that there is this softening of, again, where I can just notice when my inner critic is coming up, when I'm feeling triggered or, or judgmental, self-critical about things, um, and that I can be with that, that I can sit in it with the mindfulness, that I can notice, oh, actually... I have this inner voice right now who's speaking to me, berating me, you know, speaking to me in a way I would never speak to any of my friends or loved ones. Why? Yeah. Um, which I think is so true for any of us that struggle with it. So critic. relatable. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and instead, how can I offer self-compassion to that part of myself that feels really scared, that's just trying to protect me, and how can I then move forward? And so I use a lot of smaller um, 
smaller steps with mindful art activities to to have some movement so there's not feelings of stuckness. Um, I also love using a 70% rule, especially for people who are perfectionistic, that I don't need to get something to be 100% perfect. I can I can get to the 70 or 80% mark and feel like I can share that out in the world and know that it's also another mindful art experiment and I can continue to make changes or revisions. I can continue to put out new things in the world, um, but just to remove some of that stuckness. And, um, and then the other part about being on an island, I find with a lot of creatives in general, we can create by ourselves. We can be in the studio by ourselves. I think that's why there's a lot of communities where artists gather and why there's, you know, first Friday walks or art nights because it's so helpful to be surrounded in community. I believe when we're creating to have feedback, to have support for other people to uplift us when we're feeling stuck or, you know, wanting to walk away from a project. And so just over the years and going through art school and then now facilitating women's circles for a long time and with groups, I just see really this deep value in connecting in community um, for myself as well as others. I just think it's, it's, the, it's the way to go. <laughs> Definitely. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. There, there was a point there where you were just talking about like the 70, 80%, like the, that's that Cara and I's faces both just lit up with these big, huge grins. <laughs> <laughs> because that is, we, we had a, I don't know if you um, heard, a, we did an episode on our last series with a late, lovely lady called Kate Atkins about imposter syndrome. And she talked about this process, didn't she, of, of, actually 80% is is okay and actually if you are a perfectionist your 80% is probably somebody else's 130% so just ship it already (laughs) and move on to the next thing yeah I I do try really hard to do that it's harder than it sounds but yeah I love that but it's lovely to hear someone saying about it as well absolutely it's come up it's um yeah that that tells me that I should try harder at that thank you that was very honest and I do know what I actually love hearing about the struggles as much as I love hearing about the glorious moments because um I think it's very relatable in fact I think sometimes the struggles are almost more relatable because our glorious moments will always be very personal Mm. the struggles although they are personal in specifics are always something that we're all experiencing something we're all experiencing in some way or another yeah or have experienced along our journey you know it's not hopefully we're not all struggling all of the time but there is definitely definitely things that common ground isn't there i think yeah all of that so yeah thank you thank you so i'd love to ask you about support networks obviously you talked about a little bit about support there like the artistic communities and things like that but talk to us a little bit about your specific support networks and how that's helped you yeah it's been hugely helpful largely because i do mainly work online and teach online most of my support network are people that I've actually never met in person. <laughs> and, wow. Um, it tends to be a lot of other teachers or mentors and a lot of people that I've met through collaborating and teaching with online summits or online festivals. Um, and I do, I'm a huge uh, fan of accountability buddies also. And so I do have a couple of smaller groups that I connect with weekly and we get together to share about our projects and give updates and ask questions of each other and offer support. And I just find it so hugely helpful, again, just to not be creating on an island by myself um, and to have that extra support. It reminds me of 
like if you're in the water it's having a buoy it just kind of helps you to stay afloat a little bit more um so yeah so I I work with accountability buddies one of my um, mentors who I talk about any chance I can get George Cow he's an authentic um, marketing coach he has a big support network online and so I connect with a lot of other teachers and and creatives that way as well fantastic I love that Actually, that's a. I wouldn't. This is completely off topic here, but I'm talking about coaching because I'm I'm in the market for looking for a coach at the moment. How do you go about finding a coach? Anyone? <laughs> I'm I'm gonna open to you, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it's helpful to, first to clarify for yourself what you're hoping for with the coaching. Uh, are you looking for a creativity coach? Is it a business coach? Is it a health coach? Like what kind of coach mm. potentially could help you? What are you wanting to work on and focus on? For me, I've often um, also looked at, do I resonate with the person, their personality, how they speak about things, how they approach things? Um, sometimes even working with a coach who is offers maybe something that's opposite from me. So um like as an example, one of my mentors is really huge into spreadsheets and that's not my forte, but so there's a balancing out act that can happen. Um, with my online coaching that I do, I have a, a group coaching program. And so one thing I also mention is that sometimes it's not always about the coach you're working with, but it's also about the community that you might be held within. Mm. Um, and so a lot of, just as an example, the group that I coach are a lot of online art teachers, yoga teachers, therapists. And so they come together and offer each other support and this huge wealth of knowledge that I, I can't begin to, to do, you know, bringing all of these people together. And so I think that that can also be helpful, be, be curious around, do I want to work one-on-one with a coach? Do I, would I rather be in a group? Um, and then you can always kind of interview or, or, you know, connect with a coach one-on-one and just chat with them and, and see if it's a good fit. Um, that's what I've often done when I've been seeking out coaches in my life. Amazing. Well, thank you for the advice. Excellent answer. I like that. (laughs) It is very Very good. good. Yeah. Nothing to add. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, ah, okay. This is, I like this question. What would you wish that you'd known at the start of your creative journey? Looking back, Ooh, I like this yes. one. that I don't have to have it all figured out. That <gasps> I don't have to know where the path is leading me, and that instead, that I can continue to just show up and be curious and see how things continue to unfold. Love that. I love that very much. In fact, I might actually, when we've done the recording, that might make it. I've got a little um, tiny bit of wall next to my bookshelf and my, my um, window here and I've got lots of little inspiring phrases and I think that might that might actually make it onto there because it's very true it and is. it's easy to forget yeah? yes yeah yeah I agree I like that a lot. Mm. and I have a question which is kind of connected to that but can also relate back to anything else if you could give some advice I'm going to say one piece of advice because I feel like you have all the advice going on there. And I think, I mean, I would like to hear all of it. <laughs> but we do have a limited time. Um, what advice would you give to our creative listeners if they were listening and maybe maybe were stuck in a bit of a rut or maybe were unsure how to move forward with their creativity? Mm. Yeah, so I'm a big fan of questions, of asking questions to find our own answers. 
And so if someone is feeling stuck, I would first ask the question of what is it that you're wanting to feel or hoping to feel? Like if you're feeling stuck about something, what does it look like to be unstuck? What does that feel like? Um, and then again, just going back to my five minute practice or experiment, um, to be curious, maybe make, if you're into lists, you can make a list or you can put it in a picture, but to brainstorm what are 10 different five minute things I could do or not do that would potentially move me out of that feeling of stuckness. And I think that we often know we have our own answers, you know, it's a matter of um, other things can get in the way. So breaking it down really simply, I think, can help us to just have some movement. Mm, I like that, definitely. Like that. It's, yeah. Again, and probably another thing that we, it's very easy for us to forget when we are stuck in our own little worlds and definitely not reaching I mean, one out. Of, one, one of the, the mottos I try to live by is to trust yourself, trust myself. Like I do have the answers. I do know when you've just, just touched on that exactly that we, we do know what we want and what we need. Um, we don't necessarily know how to get there, but that's okay because as long as we know the direction, we can move in that direction, right? We can make the decisions and yeah, no, I love that very much. Thank you. Mm. It's a good answers. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I, I feel like Cynthia's done this before. <laughs> well, you said, actually, I do have one one question which is um, kind of slightly off piece, but did you make a? So you said that you work mainly online, and obviously mm-hmm. in the last twelve months. Most people are mainly working online, but it sounds like you might have been doing that more. Was that a deliberate decision? Is that something you've always done, or is that something that's come with the pandemic? Or how how does that fit in? That's a great question. Yeah, so I started really teaching online, I think maybe about three years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And largely it was birthed out of... Um, the fact that I used to teach at on uh, festivals in person, I would teach art and yoga at festivals, and I would have people come up to me after the workshop and be really excited and say, "Oh, how can I keep working with you? I live, you know, like across the states or in another country." And I would, my heart would just feel deflated because my only answer was, "Well, next time I see you at this festival, like I'll see you next year," you know. Yeah. Um, and I just started getting the idea of well, what if I start offering some classes online? So it began initially with some smaller classes online, and then later I did a a larger teacher training. Um, And then now I share a lot on my YouTube channel, and I can see it's I reach like 38-plus countries and people around the world, and there's no way I would be able to connect with that many people, you know, locally. And so I just feel really excited about and grateful that we live in a time where we can work online. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you, have you, have you noticed, um, like it's kind of a surge in, in, um, viewers and in, in people coming to you because more people have, cause I know, um, in the kind of online, so I've also been hanging out in the online world, online course world for a long time now. And, um, I know that one of the barriers, um, some of my own clients when they were creating courses when I was helping them create courses is they were like oh but I've got to I've got to get people to use an online course and they don't know how to do that and I feel like now post everybody knows how to use an online course everyone knows what a zoom class is everyone suddenly there's been this massive shift have, have you noticed that have a, an impact good or bad on on your business or yeah I definitely I used to when I would initially begin a, a zoom class for an online class I would do a couple of minutes like a brief tutorial about how to use zoom and now it's you know I just you laugh because <laughs> exactly Amazing. I think the opposite might be true actually I think after a year of, of dealing with the pandemic that there's probably some zoom fatigue that's happening um, in some cases and so 
I like to offer a variety of, you know, you can do this practice for five minutes or come to a class for an hour or do a long, a longer training because some, it depends where you are. I think people are really comfortable with learning online now. And sometimes we don't want to look at a screen, you know, for eight hours a day. And so, um, so I think that's the main difference that I've noticed. Uh, but also over the last year, I, I've found a lot of people seeking out how to use different activities and practices to de-stress because of this last year. So I've had a lot of students find me just in the last year because of the activities really helping with that. That's awesome on both counts, I would say. Mm, Definitely. I think you're right about Zoom fatigue, but it sounds like you're dealing with that by giving options. And I, I, I kind of think when things start to go back to normal and people are sometimes in the office, sometimes at work, not just at a screen constantly, I think that will hopefully balance out um i hope the same because i quite like the online stuff as well i like it as part of part of what we do don't we but um yeah that's really cool fabulous so is there anything that we haven't really covered in today's conversation that you you you're thinking oh i really want to tell them about this hmm I, th- I think, well, as you've already mentioned, I can be sort of verbose. So th- these are topics I can chat about for a really long time. So can we? We'd love to do like five hour long episodes. Oh, my goodness. That'd be <laughs> so wonderful. Much fun to just chat. That would be amazing. Definitely. When, maybe we'll have to think about that for the future. Some some kind of special little... edition. Special yes. episodes. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the diehard people who don't mind listening for that long as well. <laughs> well, in that so case. Don't... Oh, go on. Sorry. I interrupted. you. Carry on. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't think there isn't anything that we haven't already touched on. I think think that the well just goes deeper, you know, oh, yes. it's like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In that case, tell us then where we can find you. It's time to just, just plug yourself because I'm sure you've got, you, I think you already mentioned YouTube and tell us about every place online um, that we can find you. Anything you're offering, any, any way mm. people can get hold of you to work with you, all of that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, my website is mindfulcreativemuse.com and that's where you can go to find about out about any of my online classes or my teacher trainings. I also have a whole resources section. So there's different articles and workbooks that um, if you're curious to learn more about mindful art and activities uh, that will walk you through some of that. I do have uh, my YouTube channel, as I mentioned, and I have a 30 day challenge that you can follow along and play with uh, on there. And um yeah, so that's those are the main places that you can find me. I'm on all the social media networks as well, but the the best place is my website. Awesome. We'll make sure we put all the links on of our show, on our show notes so that uh, people can find you. Thank you. And uh, can can we just give a little shout out to your adorable cat who's been wandering through the scene <laughs> yes, while we've been chatting? Yes. <laughs> what is your cat's name, please? <laughs> her name is Bonnie. She's a Siamese mix and she's very chatty also. Oh, <laughs> bless her. Lovely. She's been doing little zoomies behind you. As, like, whizzing across I just the... see her wandering past. It's great, like, doing it all. <laughs> two, you've got two cat lovers here, so that's probably why we're like, oh, just mention the cat as look well. Look at the cat, look at the cat. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us, Cynthia. It's been lovely to talk to you. 
it's been very inspiring i'm feeling i was feeling a little bit flat um but i'm definitely feeling kind of boosted i'm gonna go in because I, I think one of the things that and again one of the things when we were so excited when you um kind of said you wanted to be um on the podcast is that i think a lot of people assume that art unless they are an artist i think a lot of people assume art is something that they can't do mm. um and I'm, I'm getting a really strong sense that, that i've had a little obviously little look around your website i'm now going to go a bit deeper um i think it's something that that you're going to make very accessible to people um you know even if they've never picked up a paintbrush ever before um and i think that's a wonderful thing i think it's much needed so yeah thank you so much for coming and joining us oh thank you i appreciate that and i've loved our chat and just really connecting with all of the creatives in in us and connecting about what that's like so thank you so much for having me oh it's been lovely to have you thank you so much well are we ra- are we rounding off then, Carla? Is that? I think that- we are rounding off. We yeah, are. we will see you guys next episode, next Fantastic. week, next thing. <laughs> Unspecified Who knows? period of time. Who knows? <laughs> bye bye. Take care, guys. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love for you to rate us, review us, and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. Five stars, please. Uh, where can people find us online, Sarah? We are on Facebook and Instagram at Creative Reboot Co. And we also have a Facebook group, which we'd love you to join to come and talk to us about the episodes. Just search for Creative Reboot Group. And you can also go to our website, creativereboot.co, where you can subscribe to our mailing list and get in touch with us if you fancy being a guest or if you have topics you want us to talk about. We'll look forward to seeing you there. <laughs>